Welcome to Catch These Vibes. My name is Charmonique. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be getting into a 90s movie called Mrs. Doubtfire. So I really enjoy this movie. This movie came out in 1993. The actual release date was November 24th, 1993. So that's what we're going to be getting into today or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. So this movie stars Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, Harvey Fierstein. So Robin Williams, he plays Daniel Hillard and Sally, Sally Field is Miranda, who is his wife turned ex-wife. And then Pierce Brosnan, he plays Stu which he becomes the new hot boyfriend to Miranda. And Harvey Fierstein is Daniel's brother. I wonder if he's related to... Hmm, interesting. Okay, and then so they have three adorable children in this movie. So Lisa Jacob plays Lydia Hillard. And then Matthew Lawrence, he plays Chris. And then we have Mara Wilson, who plays Natalie. Mara Wilson, that's my girl from Matilda. Matilda is one of the movies we've done in the past. So shout out to her. Also, shout out to Matthew Lawrence. He is said to be, well, he, he is dating Chili from TLC. So that's cute. But he, he was also from Brotherly Love, which I did used to watch that show back in the day. So shout out to him. And then Lisa Jacob. She. Let me see if there was anything else. Looks like she was actually in Independence Day. A few years later. In 1996. As Alicia. I'm not sure who that is. I haven't seen Independence Day in so long. I feel that, like that movie is just a long ass movie. I mean it is over two hours. But it's just. I don't know. I'm not really into them type of movies, but I definitely want to watch that movie again just to give it another chance. The director of this movie is Chris Columbus. So Chris Columbus, let's see what else he has worked on. Looks like he did some, he was an executive producer for a few Harry Potter movies. Let's take a look at his filmography. So it looks like he was a, lot, a pro- executive producer for a lot of different movies. Percy Jackson, Jackson Sea of Monsters, The Help. He was a producer on that one. I Love You, Beth Cooper, Night at the Museum, Fantastic Four. I don't really see any other direct directing roles. I just see mainly ones that he was a producer so he directed Avengers and Babysitting It that came out in 1987. Oh, I really like that movie. Heartbreak Hotel that came out in 1988. Home Alone 1990. Only the Lonely 91. Home Alone 2 92. And then Mrs. Doubtfire in 93. A movie called Nine Months in 1995. And he also directed Harry Potter Sorcerer's Stone in 2001 and the chamber of secrets so he definitely has a lot of movies under his belt so shout out to mr columbus and then let's take a look at the writers 
This is based upon Elias, Alias Madame Doubtfire by Anne Fine. The screenplay was by written by Randy Mayhem Singer and Leslie Dixon. So Randy Mayhem looks like she also wrote the screenplay for Two Fairy that starred The Rock. That's cool. Oh, Mad About You. That's the TV show, Mad About You. Interesting. And then let me see what's up with this Leslie Dixon person. Oh, they wrote the screenplay for Freaky Friday that came out in 2003 with Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis. Love that movie. And the movie that the over the remake of the movie Overboard that came out in 2018. Oh, and Limitless with Bradley Cooper. That's a really good movie, too. Okay, so as you can see and as you can tell that there are some very experienced and talented people who created this movie that were involved with this movie. And so let's just go ahead and get into what it's about. So after a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children held in custody by his former wife. As I mentioned, Robin Williams, he plays Daniel Hiller. He's an actor. Um, the movie starts out with him doing one of his voice acting gigs. He's obviously very good at what he does, very talented, but the current job that he was in they didn't really allow him creative control over what he was doing like he liked to improvise and you know which is something that's very true to who Robin Williams was as an actor in real life like he was someone who did a lot of improvisation and I'm pretty sure that would have wouldn't have felt good if he really couldn't do that in you know in the movies that he was in he wanted more control he didn't really he didn't like that feeling stifled in what he was trying to do creatively with the different things that he did as an actor or a voice actor. So he ended up quitting his job. And he's just like, you know, forget this. I, I can do something. I'll figure something out. I'd rather, you know, be figuring it out than staying here and not feeling like I can do what I really want to do and what really needs to be done and what feels you know natural and true to me as an actor so he quits his job he picks his kids up from the bus stop they're surprised because they're not used to seeing dad pick them up and right away his daughter Lydia she was the oldest and she was very mature and she just was like she already knew what was up like dad you you quit your job or you got fired like what you doing here picking us up so she knew right away that he quit it happened to be their son's uh, birthday, Chris's birthday, and he was 12. He was actually a big 12-year-old. They should have made him, like, at least 13. But, but yeah, so he was like, you know, let's go have, let's have a party. And they're like, no, mom said we can't have a party, dad. No, no. Like, they already know what's up. Like, they was trying to, like keep their dad in line but they also were kids and wanted to have fun with their dad so they was down for the cause 
because their mom didn't get home for another four hours and when he says when he says like oh your mom won't be home for another four hours it's like you would think it's like damn what well is she out of town like what is it but no she was just at work and it's like anything could happen for her to get home early like you don't even know what you know what could happen possibly but I guess he felt confident that she would just be at work working hard so he was like well I'm gonna do this party and we gonna have fun and don't worry about your mom he throws this crazy ass party for his son it's like way over the top they got the little they got the animals there all types of animals running wild eating the 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 uh the neighbor's flowers eating their flowers in their yard there's kids all over the place they're playing music loud like he was just very irresponsible about it like he wasn't trying to be low-key about it at all the wife ends up coming home she comes home to see him and the son dancing on the table which that part is so funny i love that part so they on the table dancing and she just walks in and she's just like what the hell is going on she came home i'm think i'm guessing she just really just wanted to do something low-key she still wanted to celebrate his birthday but because he was had he had bad grades he was like no party for you she just didn't want him to have a party you know just being the, the parent that's disciplining and she always ends up looking like the bad guy because here daniel comes you know trying to save the day and just be the fun dad and not really being the mature dad that he needs to be so obviously she was very very upset about that and so they get in an argument and she's just like she was just fed up and she reached her breaking point and she just felt like they grew apart and that they didn't really have anything in common because at this point I'm pretty sure when they first got together, you know, the funny guy, you know, the guy that just does things, he was just very spontaneous and she just very much grew up and matured and she was a working woman. She took her career very seriously. Um, it just seemed like their personalities just clashed as they got the older that they got. And he was just in between jobs and he was an actor so um as serious about his career as she was it's like i'm pretty sure he was serious about you know his craft but it just was they just had different personalities and maybe at the beginning that that was fine like it was cute but as you get older the same stuff don't be cute anymore like you get over it like it's and then it's like the love that you have for a person, it doesn't, it's not as important anymore. You know, like people in the beginning, in the middle of relationships, you know, the love that you have for your partner, it makes you want to stay with them. And it, and it, it, it over, um, pretty much overpowers any, any issue because it's like, I love you. I love our family. I want us to be a family. But she just reached the point where she was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I need you to be the uh, my partner. I need you to help me out. I need you to 
pick up the slack and right now you're just making life worse for me and it's like I'm the one that's doing the discipline I said he couldn't have a party because his grades and here you go throwing him this crazy ass party like we supposed to be on the same page so she asked for a divorce once they got to court to you know get the divorce finalized and everything you can obviously you can obviously tell that Daniel was very much heartbroken because he was just he didn't want that like he wanted them to continue to work it out but that's what happens when you don't treat treat what your partner says seriously it can end up you know being a situation where it's like well I've been telling you I've been telling you all this time I don't like this I want you to fix this I, I'm I'm not happy about this and then it's just like once you're not listening to me clearly now I'm at a point where I'm just fed up and so he really didn't get that he felt like okay we could work this out you don't want to break up our family like why would you want to do that so he didn't have a place to live he didn't he quit his job so he didn't have a job and so the judge was like okay well you got three months to get your shit together and until then you will have visitation with the kids every saturday and to be honest i I think that does kind of seem a little harsh because it's just like well damn like only once a week that's a bit much but unfortunately that's how it happens um when people get divorced it's not really fair for sometimes it's not fair for either party depending on what if the whichever person is in the better you know situation has a job he has stable income has a place to stay things like that they could be the one that the parent that looks like that deserves to have that sole custody so it sucks you know but at the same time it's just like well you are an adult and you shouldn't have just quit your job like that like once you once once you get older you have to be very responsible about how you know you move maneuver through life like you have to be responsible you have to especially if you're married you should definitely include your partner in your plans and, and things like that and he didn't do that he was just in a place where he's like he needs to get back on his feet and you can tell that the kids were very heartbroken by this there's a scene where he's moving out all of his stuff and putting it in the car and he's you know saying bye to the kids and they're just like you know they're they're sad about it because they have a close relationship with their dad and they are sad about the fact that their parents are splitting he ends up getting another job um so he actually got a job with his former employer but but at at this at this point he was just doing something different than what he was doing before so he was going to be doing the shipping in the shipping department I feel like he didn't really see it at the time but I think that that was definitely like a blessing in disguise because you are in this environment where there's people that you can meet and have conversations with that can put you in a place where you can get the type of job that you actually want and be 
back in that position to be doing what you actually really want to be doing. He just didn't, he, that was definitely a blessing in disguise, but he just didn't see it yet. The kids, they are understandably, they have mixed emotions because they're, they're like, they're mad at their mom because they feel like she, they don't really understand. As kids, they don't, we don't really understand like, oh, you know, my mom's not happy. She has to do what's best for her. No, we're not like, thinking of it from that aspect, just thinking of it as, oh, you're getting divorced. You don't care about my dad or you don't care about our family. So that's how the kids were feeling. Um, so they're having their visitation with him every Saturday. And his oldest daughter, Lydia, she just was like, dad, you're not trying hard enough. Like she was like, you not applying yourself, dad. Like you need to do more. Like, this is not gonna cut it for me this little visitation for a couple hours only on a Saturday like this is not enough and he's like I know sweetie I'm trying I'm trying this is a funny scene too they're just them talking at the table and he's obviously like a a little bitter and so he he keeps saying these little slick comments about their mom and the the youngest daughter is just like you know why are you saying these things like you want mom to die like and so she was very, like, <laughs> hurt by the little slick comments that he was making, not really understanding that he was, you know, trying to be funny and sarcastic and stuff. So Miranda, she comes to pick up the kids, and she she voices that she wants to put an ad in the paper for a housekeeper. And so he asks to see the ad. A lot of the movie is just obviously him as Mrs. Downfire, him trying to figure out um, how to get back in their in good graces with Miranda. He gets his own place and he, at first it wasn't looking too nice, but then he ends up um, cleaning it up very nicely and teaching himself, watching different videos and shows of how he, he can, you know, be a better cook. And so he really like bettered himself to be Mrs. Doubtfire. So according to one biography, Robin Williams decided to test out the believability of his Mrs. Doubtfire character during filming by going as Mrs. Doubtfire into an adult bookstore and making a purchase. He was able to do so without being recognized. So during the scene when Mrs. Selner comes to inspect Daniel's apartment and Daniel slash Mrs. Doubtfire is serving her tea, the icing on his, her face is melting off. This was not intentional. The heat from the set lights melted the icing on his face and Robin Williams improvised the bulk of that scene. So there's a scene. So the first night that he is Mrs. Doubtfire, And he spends the day with the kids and, you know, ends up trying to cook dinner, but it didn't go so well. So he has to end up ordering food before Miranda gets home. And she was just so impressed. Everything, you know, went perfectly. The kids, you know, became more acclimated with Mrs. Doubtfire. Like everything was great. So he gets home, but he must have forgot that the social worker, Mrs. Selner, was going to be paying a visit. So she had to, you know, check out, check him out and see like how he was doing, 
you know, and see if he was keeping his end of the bargain and getting, you know, getting his shit together. So she popped up on him and he's in the whole Mrs. Doubtfire get up. So he has to go between Mrs. Doubtfire and himself in this scene, which is very hectic. And he, I guess he ends up pulling it off, but she asks for some tea in a rush to like get dressed. The mask for Mrs. Doubtfire, it had fell out the window and then it got ran over. So he had to put all this icing over his face to just, you know, disguise himself. And so the icing was just, it kept falling into the coffee. She, I think she actually drunk it too. I would have been disgusted. But Chris Columbus would use two or three cameras at a time when shooting Robin Williams scenes, uncertain of what the famously improvisational actor would come up with. Columbus viewed shooting these scenes as if he were making a documentary. Also, Chris Columbus was amazed how far Robin Williams took his performance. First, he played each scene as scripted two to three times and then was allowed to improvise or quote-unquote playing as Williams called it. Columbus allowed Williams a lot of improvisation because that was where the film's funniest material came from. In fact, Columbus called it magical at times. Yeah, I can see that. There's definitely a lot of parts in the, in the movie where it's just funny. Like Robin Williams, he makes things funny and it's just very also like very wholesome. And I feel like anybody you know people from all ages can really laugh with at this movie and learn things from this movie because there there's definitely a lot of different lessons that you can learn um from this type of movie in the story that it tells so according to chris columbus robin williams improvised so much that there were pg pg-13 and r edits of the film though always intended to be released as pg-13 so the character Mrs. Doubtfire was first performed by Robin Williams at a show Andy Kaufman did at Carnegie Hall. Williams pretended to be Kaufman's grandmother. While Robin Williams did interview as Mrs. Doubtfire to promote the film and sometimes play the interviewer too. So the prosthetic mask used by Robin Williams in the film was actually a prop. The real makeup was made up of eight separate pieces. So shortly after Miranda and Daniel get a divorce, an old lover, I guess you can call him. I don't think they ever took it there, but it was potential for it to go there. He comes back in the picture. And so this is the guy that play, that Pierce Brosnan plays. His name is Stu. So he gets in contact with her because he wants to, you know, do some work with her. She does these sketches, these different designs. I don't know if it's for interior design or what, but he got in contact with her and then they eventually start going on dates and start dating. And so um, Daniel, he's having to like deal with that, like, which is funny because Miranda would ask Mrs. Doubtfire for different advice. And so he would say things as Mrs. Doubtfire to like, you know, make her not go through with you know dating him so like for example when she asks her opinion on what she would wear she would you know tell her to wear something that's like you know really covering her up 
and then she asked her Miranda asked Mrs. Doubtfire how long was it before she was in, after her husband died how long was it for before she was intimate with somebody else and so Mrs. Doubtfire was like years you know years 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 you know trying to make sure that that she don't you know do the nasty with Stu like she was just like obviously it's Daniel and he's just like he ain't with that he's trying to make sure that that don't go to that next level um and he was trying to do everything he could to prevent it from happening Harvey Fierstein has seen and been impressed by Robin Williams impersonation of him on comic relief he heard through friends that Williams would be playing a character with a gay brother and approached him about playing the part so Harvey he plays his brother who creates the whole uh prosthetic uh mask for Mrs. Doubtfire and does the makeup and everything and he is um, his gay brother so known for his trademark spontaneity of improvisation Robin Williams was given free reigns by Chris Columbus to do what he needed however his improv improvisation can occasionally spark off numerous references to other works that proved to be legal headaches for movie studios the scene where Daniel speaks with his wife and refers to her clothes as this lovely dances with wolves motive required legal clearance for the studio to put in the film. Associate producer Paula Dupree Pesman later kept track of every reference Williams made while improvising. Wow, so it's really that deep. You can't even make a reference to another movie without getting legal clearance. So the address given by Miranda while on the phone with Mrs. Doubtfire is the actual physical address of the Hillard house used for the filming of the movie, 2640 Steiner Street. So Robin Williams will walk around San Francisco as Mrs. Doubtfire to see if he could get away with it. On one occasion, he visited a sex shop to buy a large dildo and other toys. Interesting. So was it San Francisco or San Diego? because I thought it was San Diego. Let me see. Filming locations. Oh, so it was San Francisco. Well, there too. I want to go to San Diego and San Francisco. They've There was a few different locations in the San Francisco area. Berkeley. Danville, Redwood City. Oh, okay, okay. I just assumed it was San Diego. It just definitely gave me that vibe. But I guess those those um, cities are very similar. So that makes sense. So Sally Phil got a cappuccino mustache on set and they decided to put it in the movie. Talk of a sequel began in 2003 with the script being written by Bonnie Hunt. Robin Williams was set to return in disguise as an old nanny like in the first movie. Due to problems with the script, rewriting began in early 2006 as Williams was allegedly unhappy with the plot. The film was expected to be released in late 2007, but following further script problems, the sequel was declared scrapped in mid-2006. The sequel story was originally set to involve Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire moving close to his daughter's college so he could keep an eye on her. Serious discussions regarding the sequel reignited in April 2014 with an announcement that Williams and Chris Columbus would be teaming up with Fox 2000 Pictures to produce the sequel. Williams' sudden death 
just four months later ultimately sealed the project's fate once and for all. No one replaced him either. Wow. Well, first of all, I, I forgot to say this in this episode, but I, I know I've said it before, but rest in peace to Robert Williams. He has many movies that I really love and enjoy. Um, a sequel for Mrs. Doubtfire, I guess that would have been interesting to see, but honestly, I feel like this one alone was fine for me. I didn't really need a sequel to it. So the makeup for Mrs. Doubtfire took about four and a half hours each day, which isn't bad because you hear about people that be in hair makeup for eight hours, 12 hours each day. So four hours is not that bad. So Robin Williams used much of his real childhood nanny to characterize Mrs. Doubtfire. When British tabloids found this out, they went looking for his former nanny. They found his real nanny, Lolly, in a Michigan nursing home, and the reporters and photographers flocked to the little town to get an interview with her. Lolly balked at the attention and downplayed her impressive role. The reporter found out Lolly had, in fact, been a nanny to other Hollywood celebrities, including Mr. and Mrs. Lyle Wagoner. As a result, the local newspaper ran a story of Lolly and the, with the heading, The Real Mrs. Doubtfire. So Stu was originally or so that's played by um pierce brosnan he was originally scripted to be an arrogant villain but chris columbus felt that it hurt the relationship with mrs doubtfire so Stu was rewritten to be more the perfect potential replacement for a father for the kids so so yeah that's something he's not really like it's not like he's unlikable you know he's he doesn't really do anything to make him unlikable besides the fact that he could potentially be the new father figure for the kids that's the only thing I mean he doesn't there's no like part where he says some he's caught saying something distasteful about Miranda or about her kids like the part that he's they actually show him talking about the kids and Miranda he says nice things um, the only main thing that he said is that he called Daniel a loser. So, um, but other than that, like, he seemed like he was a cool person. He was handsome. He was, you know, well off. And there was really nothing wrong with dude. Um, the only thing is that by the end of the movie, it's not really clear if Miranda and him continued to date. Because they don't really address that. So there's a scene where they all go to a pool. They meet Stu at a pool. Mrs. Doubtfire is there as well. They, um, the Stu, the kids, and Miranda, they're all playing in the pool, having family time. Mrs. Doubtfire, she obviously can't get in the pool because she you know she's in makeup and, and has a bodysuit on. So she can't get in the pool. So she's at the bar drinking a beer. And Daniel, you know, he's just like clearly upset about that that's when he overhears Stu call um him a loser and he throws an avocado at his head and acts like it was somebody else so that's another funny part of the movie but yeah so I'm glad that they didn't make him like a villain it was kind of because usually that's what movies do they make the new person the new stepfather like the villain that's 
you know, has ulterior motives and things like that. But in this movie, that wasn't the case. So I'm actually glad that they, they did it that way. So Mrs. Doubtfire's accent was inspired by Bill Forsyth, the Scottish director that Robin Williams had just worked with on Being Human in 1994. Williams also drew inspiration for the voice from Margaret Thatcher and Julia Child. So according to Chris Columbus, the film was initially going to be set in Chicago, but after checking out San Francisco, they chose to set the film there. Columbus had been living in New York City for years and was in need of a change of scenery to raise his family. During filming, he and his family had been so taken with the city that they settled in San Francisco after the film was completed. Aww. So it says the princess line was ad-libbed by Mara Wilson. So there's a, um, Mara, so Mara Wilson, she, I don't know how old she was. She had to been like maybe six or seven, very young in the movie as her character. And so she was, she clearly, you know, not being so young, didn't really have a true understanding of what was going on between her parents but she thought it was very simple as her dad just apologizing and calling her a princess that was a really cute scene because it's because he's just like yeah that's not gonna do it sweetie me just you know being nice to mom is not going to change anything but bless her heart she just wanted them to get back together so this is an interesting fact throughout the film mrs doubtfire says the word dear 101 times she does say dear a lot chris columbus is a big james bond fan and he was crushed when pierce brosnan didn't get cast when he was offered the part during the making of remington still but they wouldn't release him from his contract during the making of this film columbus told brosnan he'd make a great james bond but brosnan thought that ship had sailed in 1995, MGM called Columbus, telling him they're looking for the new James Bond, and Brosnan was one of the choices. So Columbus recommended him with his little contribution to the James Bond saga. Interesting. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan, he's a very handsome man. Very handsome. So this movie is actually based on a British novel. During the mid-1970s, author Anne Fine walked by a bric-a-brac shop selling jewelry and old furs. She never had the time to walk inside and meet the shop owner, one Madame Doubtfire. Fine remembered the name, and in 1986, when she wrote her book, Alias Madame Doubtfire. There are several versions of the film because of the sheer amount of material Robin Williams improvised, so it was difficult to edit the film to something resembling the script. Chris Columbus likened it to editing a documentary. These other versions were unworkable tonally because they were all over the place. There were also versions that Columbus described as hilariously funny, but he couldn't release them because many of the jokes Williams came up with would have earned the film an R rating. So, Miranda's birthday comes up and she wants mrs doubtfire to be at the at the party the little thing get together that they have which just happens to be at the same exact restaurant that daniel gets invited to by the 
the the head of the TV studio that he was working at. So when I said that it was a blessing in disguise is because he kept bumping into the to the man in charge of the show that he would see as he was there and you know he had a few comments about it he made the dude laugh and he was just very impressed by Daniel and then one day when nobody was there or at least that's what Daniel thought he started you know acting as if he was running the show and so he was moving the da- the dinosaurs around and making different voices and and added a musical aspect to you know what the show could potentially be and so the man saw him doing that and he was very impressed so at that point he invited him to dinner so that they can talk about his ideas and what he felt needed to be brought to the show which was a great opportunity obviously something that he should be very excited about and happy about but it just happened to be the same night that Miranda was going to have her birthday dinner um and Stu was gonna be there and the kids and so she really wanted Mrs. Doubtfire to be there and so he agreed so he puts himself in another hectic situation having to go back and forth between Mrs. Doubtfire and himself and for the most part he was able he was kind of pulling it off but um it just went wrong when he decided to put pepper on Stu's food and then that led him to start choking so he had to perform the Heimlich on him and in the midst of him doing that his mask I guess wasn't on appropriately and it started to come up and so everybody was able to see that Mrs. Doubtfire wasn't really Mrs. Doubtfire it was really Daniel so Blake Lively was considered for the role of Natalie Hillard and made it to the final round of auditions between her and Mara Wilson. The film was actually originally supposed to be much darker, showing the toll a divorce can take on the children. It was ultimately decided to make the film more family-friendly, and some of the more dramatic scenes were cut. Yeah, I think that I think that um, they did a good job of like making the movie. Like, they didn't, like, fluff it up too much. It was just, it was, like, a fine line between, you know, like, the reality of situations and just, like, you know, family-friendly, fun, funny type movie. So, I'm glad they didn't make it, you know, dark. So, Chris Columbus actually sold scripts to Steven Spielberg that became Gremlins and The Goonies, but his career didn't really take off until the major success of Home Alone which allowed Columbus to move on to other more successful projects like Mrs. Doubtfire and the first two Harry Potter movies. thought it was interesting that Tim Allen was the first choice for Mrs. Doubtfire with his intending, with this intending to be his debut theatrical feature as a leading man. So he did end up turning it down because he was unsatisfied with the script as well as schedule conflicts with home improvement. He later debuted in the successful film, The Santa Claus, the following year. So I thought that was interesting. Tyler Perry got inspiration for Medea from Mrs. Doubtfire, including Medea's famous catchphrase, hello. The scene in the kitchen where Robin Williams, as Mrs. Doubtfire says, hello, 
to Mrs. Selner is what sparked the idea for Hilar. So towards the end of the movie, Mrs. Doubtfire receives mail from Katie in Youngstown, Ohio. Chris Columbus is from Youngstown, Ohio. So the rest of the movie, so once they go to the dinner and they find out that Mrs. Doubtfire is actually Daniel, obviously Miranda is very taken aback by that. She's just like in disbelief that it was him the whole time. So she was very upset. They left and the thing that I think what saved him with the uh, director of the show that he was, you know, going to be exchanging ideas with was the fact that he told him that Mrs. Doubtfire would be the person, you know, the character that would actually be hosting the show. So that was a, a good save. Otherwise, it would have looked very odd that he was, you know, dressed as a woman. So he saved it by telling him, yeah, this is the character that I want to play you know, as I do the show. And so the the guy, he loved it. And he eventually moved forward with that. And so towards the end of the movie, we see that, well, first of all, they went back to court because it's been three months. The judge initially said he had three months to, you know, get himself together. And so the three months had passed and the judge was like, well, you've been up to a lot of shady shit. So I just don't feel like you fit to be, you know, have, you know, share custody with Miranda. So he gave sole custody to, to Miranda. I think they, the Saturday visitations was going to continue and that just was going to be that. And so you can just tell, and I see Miranda, she didn't really agree with that. She didn't, she felt bad, but she, you know, didn't say anything. They end up seeing Mrs. Doubtfire on TV and they're, you know, the kids and Miranda, they're all laughing and enjoying it. And then because they just have finished saying how much they missed Mrs. Doubtfire and everything that she did and how she made the house feel so warm. That empowered Miranda to go see to go see Daniel and let him know that she actually wanted him to, you know, help out with the kids and instead of her getting another housekeeper so she actually went and spoke with the courts and made it so that he can get them every day after school and they'll be able to spend more time together that was a a really good ending so like I said before you know it's not really clear if Miranda and Stu continue dating it kind of left it up in the air as far as like if they're still dating and if Miranda and Daniel would eventually get back together but I'm gonna guess that they didn't I'm gonna guess that they didn't that they just continued to co- co-parent and just had a good healthy co-parenting relationship and everyone you know was happy with what the situation had become and grown to be so that was the end of the movie and I really loved the ending of the movie because I feel like Daniel, he learned a lot playing Mrs. Doubtfire. He learned, he taught himself how to cook and how to be that responsible parent, that responsible figure that they were missing, and that he was, for whatever reason, wasn't being for Miranda and for the kids while they were married. So he learned some lessons there. And then Miranda, she just learned, you know, even though that they weren't going to be together, that they could still have a 
a healthy co-parenting relationship. That way the kids will be able to still have a relationship with their dad. And, you know, not instead of acting out of anger and being bitter, put the kids first and be able to come to a compromise. So that was a lovely ending to the movie. So this was actually the second highest gross movie of 1993, right behind um, Jurassic Park. So this movie did really well, really successful. Um, there's actually a re-edited film on YouTube that fans did. So what they did was they made up. This film was actually shot over 70 days with 40 being taken up with Robin's makeup, which took four and a half hours to complete with work starting on him at 5 a.m. so that he was ready for filming to start around 9. So I thought, so this would have been a nice scene. So it says, a scene was filmed but deleted, which Daniel shows up at Lydia's spelling bee competition, which Miranda gets into an argument with Daniel. Daniel apologizes to Lydia, and Lydia asks Daniel why he and Miranda can't pretend to be happy. Daniel tells Lydia that being an actor is a job and being a father is not a job, but is a joy. He reminds her he is her father and he always will be that and she is the best thing in his life. He asks if she will forgive him and she tells him yes. Lydia tells him I love you and breaks down and cries after he tells her that he loves her too. That would have been cute. I mean, I don't think it was needed, but that that would have been a I would have accepted that. I would have liked that scene. So it looks like there are actually eight differences between the book and the movie. In the book, Daniel is an actor. In the movie, Daniel is a voice actor. In the book, Miranda is a successful businesswoman. In the movie, Miranda is an interior designer. In the book, all the main characters, apart from Natalie, tend to to act in self-interest and expect a large amount of credit whenever they do otherwise. This doesn't happen in the movie. In the book, Daniel and Miranda are separated, and in the movie, they are together at the beginning, but Daniel screws up again. They get, get divorced. In the book, Daniel becomes angry at Miranda's early arrival in the dinner scene. In the movie, this also happens, but takes place before Daniel becomes Mrs. Doubtfire. In the book, Daniel does not swear in the dinner scene. In the movie, Daniel does swear in the dinner scene when he says, y'all are my goddamn kids too. In the book, Lydia and Chris know right away that Madame Doubtfire is their father in drag. In the movie, at first, they don't know him don't know it is him it is only when chris sees mrs doubtfire standing up to pee that he has become he has to come clean in the book natalie is the first to find out in the movie natalie is the only child left out of the loop so they actually considered jessica lange for miranda but didn't want to do another cross-dressing comedy after winning um an oscar for her performance in tootsie speaking of oscars let me see. I saw that there were some nominations. So actually, this movie won Oscar for Best Makeup in 1994. This movie went on to gross worldwide $441 million and, and just in the United States, $219 million. So we've actually took a look at Robin Williams' filmography before. So let's take a look at Sally Fields. Let's go down down to the 90s and see. Yeah, she's been 
working since 1962. All right, so 1991, she was in a movie called Not Without My Daughter. 1991, Soap Dish, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey in 1993. Mrs. Doubtfire, 93, Forrest Gump as Mrs. Gump in 94. Then an Eye for an Eye in 1996, Homeward Bound 2, 1996, The Larry Sanders Show, King of the Hill, 1997, From the Earth to the Moon, 1998, A Cooler Climate, 1999, and then Where the Heart Is in 2000. Well, that's the episode, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we'll be getting into another 90s album. Until then, vibe out.